0: The trinity shows us that god is personal through and through the three persons of the trinity love one another know one another communicate with one another and and that's not just the uh, language of a philosophical abstraction it's real it's and it's vivid
1: Hey, welcome once again to the Gary Wilkson Podcast. We have with us again today, Dr. Vern Pothrice, a tremendous scholar, tremendous man of God. Uh, he's a theologian, a philosopher, a mathematician, has degrees from Harvard, from uh, Cambridge, from Stellenbosch University. Uh, one of the great minds in the gospel today, but he also has a great heart. And I, I know you're gonna enjoy uh, this episode as well uh, as he joins us today. I have one of your books here on my desk, uh, The Mystery of the Trinity. And you're combining here uh, the doctrine of the Trinity with the uh, the doctrines of the attributes of God. Uh, that's a, a unique take on things. I like that you were able to bring the Trinity and the attributes of God. Could normally, uh, you know, there's not so much, uh, it seems to be more Father-centered than it is maybe Jesus-centered or Holy Spirit-centered. Um, what was the what was the primary thing you were trying to get across to your readers? Uh, and what would you say to us today uh, is, is, is the primary message of the mystery of the Trinity?
0: Well, <clears throat> that book, I, I attempted to be broad enough to build a foundation for understanding the particular problem, which was not just the doctrine of the Trinity. But the problem that has arisen in evangelical circles, actually a tension and even some degree a fight between people who are used to classical explanations, centuries-old explanations of who God is and how he interacts with the world, and people who feel that's too abstract. We want to use more biblical language, more personal language. But they can fall into the, the trap of making God a person that's just uh, sort of a blown up human being. In other words, it's a problem of transcendence and imminence. If transcendence means God is far away and he's unreachable, then then he's remote. And that's not the message of the Bible. But if imminence means that he's just like us, that's not the message of the Bible either. <laughs> So you got to have a proper conception of both. And I think that goes back to understanding God as Trinity, because the Trinity shows us that God is personal through and through. The three persons of the Trinity who love one another, who know one another, who communicate with one another. And, and that's not just uh, the language of, of philosophical abstraction. It's real, it's, and it's vivid, right? When even the labels, Father and Son, they're analogical labels if you think about it, because we know about human fathers and son. Well, God is not a human father and son and and spirit. It's by analogy, so we respect the fact that God is the creator and not the creature. But at the same time, we want to say those analogies are real. So I'm I'm driving, I'm I'm trying to to point to a path between the one-sidedness of those two. Areas the one-sidedness that people can fall into, and to do it by saying God created the world as a Trinitarian God, so it's the Father speaking the Word, and with the presence of the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. So the uh, the many of the classical explanations of creation really didn't bring out the Trinitarian character of what God was doing. They just it, it just God creating by His omnipotence and by His wisdom. Well, that's yeah, that's true, right? But what is the wisdom of God? Well, Christ is the wisdom of God. So, so actually, those and when we think of God creating, we also think of His speaking. Let there be light, and there is light. Well, that speaking is kind of reflection or further display or or imaging of the eternal speech between. The Father and the Son, where God in the beginning was the Word. So it's that kind of thing where I attempt to help these two uh, conflicting parties to find a way through the doctrine of the Trinity to enrich our conception of how God relates to the world in a Trinitarian way. That's, That's a best
1: I can do. Summarize uh, the book. Uh, thank, yeah. And I, I know that it's like 700 pages. So I, I almost have to feel like I have to apologize to ask you to give a synopsis of it in such a short amount of time, but I highly recommend it. I think it'll, uh, I think it'll stir the things we've been talking about earlier, that the hunger for the deep things of God or the, uh, wanting to know scripture in more depth. Uh, this would certainly give you that. that. Are, and if I hear you correctly, <clears throat> are you saying the more classical um, older was would, would lean towards the transcendence of God, and now maybe some of the newer uh, theological uh, mindset is more towards the eminence of God, and you're trying to bring about ba- a balance to both of them. Right,
0: but but for me, I'd rather not speak in terms of balance. You, as if we, you know, it's like a, it's not like a, a preparing a meal where you say, well, I've got got an egg mix, right? So. Or I got a cake mix, I put in a few more eggs or a little more flour, right? Just to get the right proportions. It's not like that, because the transcendence of God has to be understood in terms of the Trinity and the imminence of God in terms of the Trinity. It's not how much ingredients you have, but what 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 is your conception of the ingredients themselves? So that's that's where I think the real challenge is.
1: I surprised myself by. I'm glad you caught. I use the word balance. I try, I try not to use the word balance because usually it means moderating all the valuable things that we have in life. Uh, I, I try to tend to, said I use like I like to use the word harmony. My wife is a musician, you know. When I, when she plays the piano, it's beautiful to see, you know. She's not contrasting the E chord or the E note with the C note. She's playing them together and makes beautiful harmony of the notes. So instead of balance, I think the harmony of the transcendence, and the harmony with the eminence. Some some of the things that come to mind when when I hear you talk about the transcendence of God and the eminence of God, you know, have to do with real life situations that come out in the church. Uh, the the progressive movement, for instance, I believe leans very heavily towards the eminence of God. So he's no longer the God who judges or the God of wrath. Um, he's, he's not the God without passions now. He's the God who, you know, um, or he can be... Uh, You know the open theology. He he he, he hears what I feel, and then he moves. Is moved by that, so he changes his mind constantly. We're just kind of, and so uh, that's not to put down the eminence of God, but it's it's that's that's the way you can distort it. Uh, So so you're speaking of trying to avoid the distortions of being God being so remote. uh, You know the the God uh, without passions. Uh, uh, but also be distorted in the way of well, he has so much passion. He, uh, you know, I, he just, you know, feels bad that he disciplined me.
0: You know, that is that kind of what you're getting after a little bit. I am, and I actually give names to these things. One is called the quicksand suction pool, <laughs> where where you you bring you picture God as being so much like us that he's in the same quicksand as we are, and he can't get out. That's no comfort to anybody. I mean, the the open theist you mentioned, uh, God doesn't know the future uh, of human decisions. That's their view. I uh, think that contradicts the Bible. Uh, God, God has a it includes uh, the fall of every human hair. <laughs> it's it just amen. It's comprehensive. That's so good. And and the Bible does consistently testify to that. But that my main point is, is a pastoral one that if you offer to a person struggling with cancer with the fear of death, a God who is simply involved with us and is in the is struggling with the same problems that we're struggling with that's no comfort right we need a god who is not captured by our problems but is able to deliver us yeah. from our problems
1: amen wow that's that that that's a world of difference uh, a, a god who is just like us or a god who still loves and cares and is with us but is very also transcendent. The, the when you when you when you speak of the mystery of the Trinity in light of in your book here uh, a trinitarian approach to the attributes of God. So so how does that change your thinking? Uh, let's let's talk about the uh, omnipotence of God, for instance. How would a trinitarian approach be different than just a, a, maybe a classical approach?
0: Yeah. Well, it's not so easy to 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 um, to expand that for omnipotence but but if you take the love of god it's easy okay right because sure. love is an attribute of god god is intrinsically loving even before the foundation of the world but who does he love well he loves himself well that's that's so far we've got monotheism but actually the bible reveals the father loves the son that's of john three thirty-five 35 eternally uh, there's an eternal love between the persons And uh, that's just as uh, ultimate as just saying the Father has love as an an attribute. And it's, in a sense, it's more vivid, right? But it communicates more to us. But the the main thing is not that it communicates, but that it's true. There is internal love between and among the persons of the Trinity, all three persons. Well, with omnipotence, it's a little harder. But when you see that worked out in the course of God's governing the world. You can see it uh, that that the father is preeminent in the planning Mm -hmm. of the course of history. The son is the agent, the executor of his plan. And the Holy Spirit is the one who applies it uh, immediately to our hearts. You can see that in redemption. But I believe it's true in creation and in Providence as well. Yeah. but it would take mm-hmm. some time to you know work that out. But you can yeah. do it another way uh, through the doctrine of the, the second person of the Trinity being the word. That's John 1, one, And when it says, "In the beginning was the word," in the beginning, many people have realized that's an allusion to Genesis one, one1. 1, and so you're thinking about the description in Genesis 1, how God created the world. He created the world by speaking. Well, this word is eternal. It's not not identical in every respect with, with God saying, let there be light, a specific commandment going out. Uh, but it's the background for those particular speeches that we hear in Genesis 1. And of course... And Genesis 1, also the Holy Spirit is there, introduced in verse 2, hovering over the waters. So you've got all three persons of the Trinity involved in the creation of the world, and then they're involved in a differentiating way. So all three of them are omnipotent, right? Because God is omnipotent, and they're all fully God. But the Father's omnipotence is manifested in his sending out the word. Right The sun's omnipotence is manifested in the word itself, you might say, and the spirit's omnipotence is manifested in bringing that word to bear, so that actually then the light pops into existence. yeah, so yeah. that's a differentiation of omnipotence, yeah. but you you have to avoid, of course, saying uh, only one of the persons is omnipotent. no, all three are omnipotent, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah. that's part of the mystery that we don't assign attributes of God to only one person. Every attribute of God, the, the, the uh, standard attributes, every attribute yeah. of God applies to all three persons because they're all fully God. Yeah. But at the same time, there is this uh, differentiation in the exact way in which the omnipotence of God operates. You can see a differentiation of role. Yeah, uh, that sounds to
1: me like that would help us understand certain attributes. I don't know if you consider uh, we're, we're, uh, like uh, the wrath or the judgment of God an attribute of God, uh, but I was going to ask about that. You know, if if it is an attribute of God, you're you, I think in the modern church we tend to think, well, that's probably an attribute of the Father, but the Son doesn't have that. His only attribute would be love or grace or mercy. Well, I think that's why the the Trinity being brought into the the idea of the attributes is so important so we don't attribute anger and wrath at God, the father, uh, kindness and love. So, so there, and if, and if we have that mindset, who are you going to pray to, you know, who, or who are you going to love? You're, well, you're going to love the son, uh, but maybe not so much the father. Uh, I think that's why your book is so important there to have, uh, an understanding of that. But, uh, yeah,
0: that's, that's not, not a a rare, unfortunately, not a rare mistake. For people to think of the father as wrathful and the son as loving, but of course it's the father's love that sent the son, <laughs> right? It's yeah. a, it goes, and and he sent the son to die. I mean, how what kind of greater love than you have than that? So that's yeah. a complete mess, right? Yes. To polarize yes. that way. Yeah. The other thing I'm trying, I'm looking it up right now, uh, in the Bible, Revelation six verse. 16 talks about the wrath of the lamb so there's wrath associated specifically with Christ so it's a complete mess to to divide things up that way uh, the, the wrath of God I think that is a tricky area because there was an, before God created the world there was nothing for God to be angry against right because yeah, only God right. existed. Yeah. But the anger or wrath of God is the expression of the love of God when there's something that attacks that love. Yeah. So I put it this way, the father loves the son. So anyone who is against the son is going to experience the anger of the yeah. father. And again, we can compare it with, with all the uh, caution that we need to do to a human father with a human children. But if somebody attacks his children, he's not going to be neutral. (laughs) He's he's going to react. And within the bounds of law, he's going to try to protect the children. He's going to react in anger against the person who's doing it wrong. So so it's innate to God to be that way. Because the Father loves the Son in the Spirit. Because that's true, of course. It's innate to God that there is going to be anger and wrath against anything that is an attack
1: on. That makes so much sense. Yeah, the, I've heard it said, you know, if if you love children, you're going to hate abortion or if you love the family, you're going to hate the deviation of uh, of, of of marriage as God sees it. Um, I, I wonder if if, you know, you mentioned, well, there's nothing for God to be wrathful for before creation. But in his foreknowledge, you know, the the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world i suppose he could have understood the anger that was to come so to speak
0: yes yes again there's mystery because god is not um, uh, captive to in time or subject to time the way we are but it's true that before the foundation of the world he has a comprehensive plan but it's also true and this is a further mystery that that the plan could have been different he didn't have to make the world, right? So, in that sense, you can say that there are some things that we see because there is a world that that mm. wouldn't have been evident. Well, we wouldn't have been around to see them anyway. See, right? Wow!
1: <laughs> Talk about some deep thoughts, boy. You're really getting deep now. That's brilliant. Oh, my last question for you. Um, a lot of times, when uh, people like myself interview authors, they're talking about books that they have written. Would you mind if I ask you where your mind is right now, where your heart is, uh, stirrings inside? Is there something, whether it be a book or just something that God has you? Uh, I know most of us, as people who love the Word, uh, you know, we're kind of we get stuck somewhere and really are digging in there. Where, where would your heart and mind be right now?
0: Well, it's an interesting question because. Um, I, I credit God for ideas that I believe he gives me, though they're not, you know, that doesn't make them infallible and that kind of thing. Right. But but uh, he's given me, I believe, some ideas. And, and uh, there's books in progress. So there's one that is tentatively titled The Beauty of the Trinity. Mm. And that's really about how God in his beauty is reflected. And it's Trinitarian beauty, as we've been talking, right? It's reflected in the world he's made. So that's a short book, God willing. And the one behind that is about uh, studying types in the Bible. It's more a how-to book. Because there are plenty of images and figures and and pictures in the Old Testament. They're pointing forward to Christ. And to his redemption and to the church, and and I dearly wish that people can come to appreciate those more deeply and to see how Christ is there in the Old Testament. So so that's a book that is in progress.
1: Yeah, I especially look for. I look forward to reading both of them. But that last one right now, what I'm studying, the book of Hebrews, and uh, I was talking to a, fr- a friend, and he said. Uh, you know, the, I asked him what the best commentary on the book of Hebrews is, and he said the book of Leviticus, You know, I thought that was an interesting way to, to look at it, you know, and, and and yet I don't really understand the book of Leviticus very well, but I think your book would help that, you know, so like what are some of the New Testament things that we read that we may not, like in Hebrews they understood, you know, when Paul was, or whoever was writing the Hebrews, um, When they talked about the tent or inside that you know they would understand those things emphatically because of their history where we have to sort of stretch our mind a little bit so uh, that sounds like a very intriguing book I'm, i'm i'm glad you're putting something like that together i think that will help us understand the word in greater
0: depth Yeah, people people are not willing to wait they can take a look at my book the shadow of christ in the law of moses that's oh, already out. Yeah. And by the way, these books are available for free download at the Frame Poitras website. It's frame-poitras.org. Uh, okay. Good. So um, for personal use, you can download a whole book. So so that's, that's one way of seeing a lot of types. I, I really did, do discuss them, uh, it, but, but that's not the how-to book uh, that's okay. coming.
1: Yeah, well, I love that. We'll we'll, we'll put uh, in what we call our show notes. We'll put a link to that uh, where they can get your books and uh, some of the articles. and uh, And I know right at your, at your school yourself at Westminster Theological Seminary, you have some of your sermons and uh, interviews that you've done there. And, uh, we, you know, just uh, I encourage all of our listeners, whether you're a pastor or a Christian that's wanting to grow in the Lord, that you would check out uh, the material that we've just been talking about today through Dr. Poth Rice. And thank you, doctor. So, so honored to, to be with you. I wish, I wish we had more time. I would love to find out more about what. Uh, mathematician and you know normally i think of mathematicians and i think of somebody who's you know just doesn't you know the, the the way you've been talking today i have a sense you have like the i don't want to call it the romance of the gospel but the beauty of the gospel uh, i don't know if there's a lot of mathematicians out there that have that same kind of gift mix so uh, i hope we can have you back on and maybe talk more about that yeah well i've got a book redeeming mathematics for anybody who
0: wants to pursue it
1: <laughs> redeeming math, Mathemat- and you have one about redeeming science as well yes And, uh, yeah, so that uh, there's a lot of, uh, man, uh, I I have never met anybody and I've been doing podcasts for a good number of years now and been in the church my whole life. I've never met anybody who had such a variety of interests, uh, math and science and theology and philosophy. Uh, So uh, God has gifted you with an amazing mind. And thank you for letting us uh, share that with our friends.
0: Really do appreciate it so much. Well, again, thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed it talking to you. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.